is the University of Michigan. Welcome to Blue by 90. I am Justin, joined by Jack and Kalen here, and thankfully we have Michigan basketball. So thankfully we have uh, something to distract us from this goddamn football team. The basketball team looked pretty dang good against Bowling Green. Um, so let's get uh, let's go around and, and just get immediate thoughts. I want you guys to give, uh, so Bowling Green, they beat Bowling Green 96-82. Mm-hmm. Immediate thoughts. We'll give like an early zero to ninety here. Uh, I like it. Hot take, quick take on the basketball team. Give the people what they want. Exactly. We'll just go right into it. Go right into it. Um, so, Jack, go ahead. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, so, I mean, my initial thoughts, right? The transfers. These two guys, Shondi Brown and Mike Smith, showed out and played like they'd been around this team for years. Shondi was the high scorer of the game with 19 points. Went six of eight uh, total shooting, five of seven from three, ended up with four rebounds, three assists, a little bit of a balanced game. And then Mike Smith, 16 points, eight rebounds. What more do you want from your point guard? And he went seven of eight from free throw line. I mean, two great transfers that stood out. Franz, I think he had a, he had a, he had a tough game. He got hurt a little bit uh, halfway through the game. Livers went solid. He had nine rebounds, 17 points. I mean, basically what you're going to expect out of Livers is a pretty close to a double-double almost every game from that position. And uh, Hunter Dickinson, man, freshman, played real well. I think he had eight rebounds himself, and uh, he scored 11 points. So I'm I'm hyped. I'm hyped for Michigan basketball. I am. I'm, I can't wait to see what happens the remainder of the season with Juwan Howard and uh, all his talent he's got. Love yeah. it. I thought the the transfers actually played pretty well. Um, I mean, f- from what I saw at the beginning of the game, I thought at first I was like, uh-oh, I see a couple missed threes here, and I was like, what's going on? And then I saw Isaiah, Isaiah Livers hit a couple on his back-to-back shots, and I was like, okay, they're finding the groove, they're into it. And then the other thing I noticed was Bowling Green actually seemed to be like pretty solid team. So I think the win there actually is, you know, is good going forward for this team. Yeah, I think it's a solid win. I am a little concerned about streaky shooting um, because like you said, Kalen, they struggled in the first half. And if that wasn't Bowling Green, if it's a big 10 team, they probably are down some just because they can't hit those shots. Uh, But then in the second half, they start hitting them and it seems like a completely different team. We saw that a lot in the last couple of years where they would just go cold sometimes, and then it's a completely different team. And so um, I, I that I'm a little discouraged by, um, but everything else, I mean, I think this team is deep as shit. This team is eight, nine, t- ten guys deep. I don't know. I mean, three freshmen played, including yeah. the two transfers. So between three freshmen and two transfers, five completely new guys got legitimate minutes in game one of the year. That says a lot about what Jawan Howard's trying to do, bring in guys that can compete for, for the Big Ten and everything else. And then when you combine 
five legitimate new faces with Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, Eli Brooks, um, Austin Davis, um, I, I, Brandon Johns. I think that uh, <laughs> there's no reason that Michigan basketball can't compete for a Big Ten title this year. I know that the Big Ten's deep as hell as well, um, but I just I, I don't see from a talent perspective and a coaching perspective and everything else, they should be right up there. Yeah, and like we, I mean, they're legitimately eight deep. And the two question marks for me are freshmen, Terrence Williams and Zeb Jackson. Those are highly touted guys, and it was their first game. I mean, didn't even get that much playing time. So if they can pan out, I mean, this team is going to be going to be real good, and there's going to have a lot of guys that they can rely on. So yeah, speaking of the transfers, first of all, I did not think that Shondi Brown was a three-point shooter. Did you guys? I I was I figured him as kind of a Charles Matthews, but even like more inside type, like stronger and just going to body guys and get to the rim. But I did not think he'd be going, you know, whatever he went from three, like light. And I'm not, I'm not going to expect him to go lights out from three every game, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't even expect him to be a threat from there. Uh, so that's pretty sweet. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, I expected more of a Charles Matthews type, like great defensive player, um, solid inside mid range, but he was, he was hitting threes, man. He was, he went five, five or seven and he finished with, he was a high scorer. Like I said before, 19 points. Um, granted, I think Michigan's offense did a great job of finding the open guy and he, he found a lot of open shots. So he was able to hit those. But, uh, I mean, if we can get, imagine if Charles Matthews would have been a reliable three point shooter. Man, that team would have done even more than what they did. I mean, I think they went Sweet 16. Um, he might have been, was he on that Final Four team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, and Shondi's a more physical guy, like you said. So, I, I was pumped with what I saw of Shondi Brown. I mean, the thing is that not only Shondi Brown. I, I mean, you're you're talking about uh, if if Charles Matthews was a knockdown three point shooter. What if Xavier Simpson was a knockdown three-point shooter and how that would have changed Michigan? And that's what I'm thinking about Mike Smith. Mike Smith now can spot up in the corner and, you know, the rest of the offense can work and he's still a threat over there. Because I think when when Xavier Simpson didn't have the ball in his hands, he's not a threat, right? Right. You know, if if he's not driving to the basket, then he's not a threat. But um, now... With Mike Smith, you have to stay on him. You can't leave your your guy um, and, and leave him open in the in the corner and anywhere. So those two guys, I mean, shit, those are two hell of a debuts. Uh, you know, hell of debuts for for them. That was I was not expecting them to just be like two Michigan's leaders right off the bat. Yeah, and and bro, I gotta ask you, man. And you you're, you know, you put out the tweet. Uh, Saturday with Cade McNamara and the highlights. Do you think Mike and Cade go to the same barber? Do you think they're both going to Lady Jane's with those highlights? Do you think that plays a plays a huge impact in what's going on in these games? I I think so. I don't. <laughs> there can't be any argument against it. I mean, now we're just a highlight school. We're we're a, a hair with highlights school. Uh, Isaiah Livers has the head of hair as well. He just needs he does, some man. tips. He, he has cool. kind of the same uh, same hair as as uh, uh, Mike, but he needs he needs some highlights in there. And then I think I mean that'll take us to the top. Yes, I believe that. 
Um, I mean, what do you guys think? I well, I might have to shave my head, but if, before <laughs> I shave, before Ooh. I shave my head, I'm definitely getting highlights for Cade. Dude, I remember in fifth grade, or maybe no, what was I? Third grade. I went as Bart Simpson for Halloween. So I had like the blue jean shorts, <laughs> orange shirt, and I did the frosted tips and spiked my hair up. I love it. I love it, man. There's I mean, this little Backstreet Boys in sync too. I mean, JT oh, back in the day, man. JT, frosted tips are always the good luck. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> JT was the goat. And first of all, so I was definitely doing sun in in my hair like for spring break <laughs> and trying to get some uh, some natural. I I did that every spring break I think from like elementary school till through middle school. I don't know. That's amazing. So, yeah, I'm all in on Cade and Mike Smith. That is a legit Bowling Green team though. We kind of we kind of touch on that. Uh, but damn. First of all, Justin is it Justin Turner? Jordan Turner? Jay Turner. <laughs> Jay Turner, just like Mr. P from Indiana. That's Jimmy right. Turner. That's right. Not sure. I know the first initial, but that's still not it. sure. Mr. Um, P. He's he's legit. <laughs> and then the Diggs dude, Trey Diggs. He had zero points at halftime, and he ended up with 21. He, so he was their he was their leading scorer, right? Yeah, that's fucking crazy, dude. But yeah. senior, always looking at a grad transfer option. Oh uh, man, might have yeah, a shot. I saw you tweeted that. I saw you tweeted oh, yeah. that. I like that a lot. Where do you we, think this this uh, Juwan Howard team, you think they, they're they going to, like, improve week to week and we'll see, like, real improvement? Or you think what we've seen today is kind of what we're going to see for the rest of the year? I mean, for me, I'm and, and like I said before, and I've said this a million times, I've never been – I'm not going to say I'm not a fan of Franz Wagner – but I'm not as high on him hater. as everybody else is. You can call me a hater. That's totally fine. But he had a bad game, right? I don't expect to see that from him the remainder of the season. I think there's always going to be hot guys that have that have big games. Like, Shawnee Brown's not going to play this every game. Mike Smith's not going to have this kind of game every game. Hunter Dickinson's not going to have this kind of game every game. I think Isaiah, it's fair to expect he'll have this kind of game. I mean, he, he only shot 50%, and he shot – less than 40 from three point. I mean, I think it's fair to expect this kind of offense from this team, but Franz should do better for most games. And I think the offense is going to look really good. I mean, they did a great job. They looked like fucking San Antonio Spurs, Greg Popovich, just passing the ball around, making sure to get to the open guy. That, that's, glad, that's the biggest thing I noticed. Glad but, we're keeping yeah. our expectations down. <laughs> They're now <laughs> NBA finals. <laughs> good. Shh. <laughs> but greatest I, think with, I think with basketball, my expectations and my, you know, what I see is way more realistic because I don't have the crazy fandom like I do for Michigan football. But like, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Ten, but I think top five finish is fair to expect 100 percent. I, I think that, um, first of all, Franz Wagner just needs to hit. He was 0 for 4 from three in yeah. every single one of them. He was wide the fuck open. Like. I, I I disagree with you, Jack, in the fact that I think he's a very good uh, good player and he's going to be a super huge NBA prospect by the end of the year because he's six foot ten, can shoot the ball. He's like a, he's a perfect NBA player, honestly. Yeah, uh, well, let, let's let's put this back in the football terms here. Six foot ten, you know the size and everything. Remember what we thought about Joe Milton? 
Yeah, except for Franz Wagner did it for a whole season when Joe Milton hasn't. So, mm-hmm. all right, all right. He talk was our, talk. he Let's was go. our. Okay, Franz was our literal. I think he was our second leading scorer last year. Yeah, I think so. And he shot, and he shot well from three at the end of the year. He he brought it up. At the end of the year. He, I think he was our leading three point uh, shooter percentage wise last year. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's not going to be good. I think he's a solid player. I just don't – I mean, people are just saying he's going to go nuts. That's that's where I'm just not on the page of that yet. I think he's going to be really solid, but I just don't see the first-round talent yet. And, I don't, and I'm not saying I don't hype. think – yeah. And I, I, I'm not saying I don't think he'll get there, but I don't see it yet. To me, it felt like we were missing out on some offensive rebound opportunities – now, this is where I don't watch enough basketball to know if my expectations are realistic or not. So I'm kind of like posing this as a question to you. Am I way off base with this saying like we should be getting all these offensive rebounds or what did you guys see? I I think offensive rebounds are very hard to get, honestly. So it, it, you have to be in a great position uh, for an offensive rebound. Also, you have to have really good luck with the bounce off the rim. Um, so I, I wouldn't there, you can tell a, a really good rebounding team will get more offensive rebounds because they're in good position. They crash the boards after every shot. Mm-hmm. And so then the bounces start going to you when you do that all the time. Um, I didn't think we were an unbelievable rebounding team. I think Brandon Johns is our best rebounder by far, um, on the team. I think Austin Davis is a really good rebounder. Hunter Dickinson's more, he's not going to just crash the, he is, he's a good rebounder, but he's not going to crash the boards as much because he's more of like an offensive guy and he's a complete player where Brendan Johnson, seven, one just, just helps just, he's got huge size. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like Brandon Johns goes up with authority for every single rebound. Um, and Austin Davis is huge and that's, he's not a touch guy really. I mean, he's, he's evolved into that a little bit, but, um, I can see we went into, um, we went into a spot where we had, I think it was Eli Brooks at the point and then Franz livers, Johns and Dickinson. That is a huge lineup. That is a gigantic lineup. Your two guard is six foot 10. Yeah. And then Livers is six eight, uh, Johns is six eight or six nine, and then Dickinson seven two. So, I mean, we can go. That's where I think the versatility of this team can really, uh, really take this, you know, take them into a different level. Um, now, Juwan Howard's going to have to figure out when to use them in a small ball lineup or a big lineup. Um, but we can go either way because you can have, you know, Zeb Jackson. Mike Smith, Eli Brooks, and then Isaiah Livers, uh, you know, or and Brandon Johns or somebody. You can play small ball where every single person can hit the three as well, uh, but still guard them. So I, I think that the depth and the versatility of this team is what is most important. They can play against any team in the country. And now uh, that we've talked a little bit about basketball ourselves, let's welcome on our special guest, Anthony Bellino. He is the Michigan basketball announcer, PA announcer, as well as the host of X's and Bros on the Michigan Sports Radio Network. He, you can hear him on the radio all across Michigan. So let's go to that interview. 
All right, and now we welcome on Anthony Bellino, our special guest for the day. Anthony is the Michigan basketball announcer for men's and women's, and he also has a radio show in the morning, uh, X's and Bros, and so you can find that on uh, stations all across the state. Anthony, you're on your way home from uh, the basketball game versus Bowling Green. How are you doing? I'm doing well outside this weather right now. We got a little rain, you know, a little rain. It's a little cold outside, a little dreary, but that's Michigan this time of year. For sure, for sure. And so Michigan got a solid win. I think they ended up uh, 96-82. Um, so what, let's uh, let's first talk about the atmosphere uh, with no fans in Chrysler Arena. Um, they had some some plugged in crowd noise i i noticed um what was it like just without any the maze rage any fans or anything going on like that so the atmosphere standpoint the pumped in crowd noise something that we're all kind of used to whether it's you know the nfl or college football you know i you know major league baseball i think as a as a society we're a little bit more accustomed to it but actually being there on game days uh is completely different you know ford field for the lions place is empty it sounds weird today because basketball is much more of an intimate sort of atmosphere where players and the and the game itself kind of thrive on the environment and I go back to we had back-to-back games a couple years ago against Purdue and North Carolina both were home games and the like you couldn't hear yourself think and I really think that the crowd played a much larger role in both of those games than anybody will ever admit just because the student section the maze rage they're into it. The regular crowd is into it. The momentum, the swing in momentum and the swing and the shift in emotion within a basketball game, it changes drastically uh, for a sport like hoops. So tonight it was, it was different. There was a, a segment in the second half where I looked at my boss, Kurt Weisenbaum, and we both were like, hey, if the crowd was here right now, they'd be going nuts. And it would have had a monumental impact on the flow of the game. It's just not – you just can't recreate that emotion and that passion that fans can bring to an arena. So I think that it's definitely, it's going to take more time to get used to in basketball. Uh, definitely. It makes me feel a lot more uncomfortable and a lot more awkward than I already do feel on the microphone because <laughs> you don't have that extra juice from fans yelling. Uh, but all in all, like we got through it, we did it. It's the new normal. We just got to roll with the punches. I honestly feel bad for a lot of the seniors though, because to, to lose that element of the game and to lose that playing in front of, friends and family, playing in front of the, your, your classmates and the students, and everything that that entails and brings to the atmosphere, that's who I really feel bad the most for. Yeah, and so you're right there on the, uh, you know, the press bench there. Um, so did you feel that it affected the players at all? You're talking about the seniors that you feel bad for. Um, obviously, I think you're talking about the, the couple plays in the second half when the crowd would have gotten going was Shondi Brown's back-to-back-to-back to back to back threes, it seemed like. He was on fire, which was great to see from the transfers from Wake, uh, Wake Forest. Um, but, yeah, did you feel like – any of the guys had trouble kind of getting up their energy at all without the crowd? You know what? No, I think at the end of the day, for the most part, it's still basketball. I mean, these guys are used to playing in AAU gyms where uh, there is really no crowd. They're used to practicing, uh, playing in different scrimmage situations to where at the end of the day, it's still basketball. Uh, So I don't think that, you know, I don't think it really – I don't think it hurt him at all, but it definitely uh, wouldn't have hurt him had, had fans been there because you mentioned the Sean D triples. I mean, that guy 
was shooting the lights out of the ball there for a, for a quick minute. And it was, uh, it was one of those times where, you know, I think that that would have uh, gave them even more juice. But I thought that from an energy standpoint, considering there's no crowd, I thought they were great. Yeah, so um, you mentioned Sean D there, uh, obviously shooting the lights out. Um, we talked about Franz didn't have his best game. He went down with an ankle injury in the first half for a minute, but came out and played in the second half, but not a whole lot. Um, Isaiah Livers was the was the leading scorer for the Wolverines. I believe he had 19. Um, so, I mean, what was uh, was there anybody surprising out there that you saw? I know Mike Smith's the new guy, and I think to me he was the most surprising. But what were you surprised by from the Wolverines tonight? I think that from a, a collective standpoint, the way that they are not afraid to share the basketball. I didn't see uh, Zeb Jackson chucked one a little early. He got into the game and he fired one up. But outside mm-hmm. of that, I didn't see any me shots. You know, you, you, when, when coaching, you talk a lot about team shots versus uh, me shots or we shots versus me shots. And I think that this team and the way that they look like they really enjoy playing with each other, I think that that's going to bode well for the future. I think the fact that they are so unselfish with the basketball, that's huge. And the fact that it seems like they enjoy watching their teammates have success. And I was wondering how, because of the depth of this team and how many guys there are, there just aren't enough minutes to go around to, to get everybody what I think would be. And I think you could ask Coach Howard the same thing. You know, That's going to be the biggest uh, puzzle, if you will, is how to figure out how to get everybody uh, the minutes that you think that they need, that they deserve, that they've earned. And it's just not going to happen. There's just there's just a plethora of talent on this team. But the one thing that really stood out to me is the fact that everybody really seems to enjoy playing with one another. And for Franz, I mean, Franz was decent. He wasn't he wasn't terrible. He he wasn't you know great. But what Franz does really well is he plays his game within the game. Like he's not the kind of guy that needs the ball in his hands 24/7. And if he's not getting it, he's not going to be an impact. You know that you can't leave him open no matter where he's out of the court. And he was very good defensively tonight uh, as well. He always seems to be kind of in the right spot. He's got a good grasp of what they want to do conceptually on defense. And he doesn't need to score 20 to really be an MVP caliber player on this team. And I think that that's really something very unique that Franz can bring to the table. And Anthony, looking at the uh, starting five. So we had uh, Livers, Austin Davis, Franz, uh, Eli Brooks and Mike Smith were the, were the five guys starting tonight. After seeing those performances from Shondi Brown and Hunter Dickinson, I mean, does that realign what you would think the top five uh, or the five starters might be? You know, I think that a lot of times in basketball, we get really, uh, we get really focused and concerned about who starts the game. And I think what's, what's most important is the total minutes at the end of the game, the rotation of who's coming in at what time and under what circumstance. And then also when you look back at the box score afterwards, I don't have it in front of me, obviously, because I'm driving. Uh, but if, uh, if you look back at the box score to see how the minutes were dispersed, I don't know if you necessarily need to adjust that five. I mean, coming out of the, the, the scrimmage that we had last Friday, the inter-squad scrimmage, it kind of felt like that, that was going to be the five that would start. I mean, Mike Smith provides such a, a poised element at point guard that this team needs he's great offensively he can get the ball anywhere that it needs to be in the blink of an eye I mean that guy's got some go he is impressive and I think with Eli Brooks you can kind of look at those two going okay that could be one game that might be a matchup where you know they might run point guard shooting guard uh, in the very next game you might see Mike Smith start and maybe they move Franz to the two 
Sean D to the three and bring Eli in off the bench or vice versa. I just think that because of the depth that they have, you'll probably see that starting five get tinkered with a little bit until they until the team gets really comfortable with that rotation that they want to have. But Sean D, I mean, he, he could start. If, if Juwan wants to give him the go, he, he could definitely start. There's no doubt about it. He brings a physical, aggressive nature to this team. Doesn't say a whole lot. Got to, you know, kind of has that mean mug sort of like death stare, just look you in the eyes and break your soul type of deal. I like that kind of guy. He's not afraid to go after a loose ball. And if you ran into his elbow, sorry about your luck. Like you're going to, you're going to hit the deck, but I, I really, I really liked him. Oh, I, me too, man. I saw something on Twitter during the game where people were throwing comparisons to him and Charles Matthews. Now, like you said, I think Shondi's a way more physical guy and it looks like he's better offensively. Do you think Shondi can kind of, do you think he'll have a better season at Michigan did at, at Michigan than um, Matthews did when he transferred in? I think so, just because I think that Sean D uh, and I, I loved Charles Matthews and Charles Matthews game was, it was, it was so pretty, you know, everything about like everything about Charles Matthews, his jumper, the way that he elevated off the ground, the high point of the ball when he was releasing that thing was like, he started to hit those turnarounds and it was like, Oh, that that's money. That's good. But that was really his staple. I think that Sean D can do a little bit more aggressively taking the ball to the basket. Obviously, we saw it tonight. He can shoot it from deep if he's open. Mm-hmm. And then defensively, uh, you know, Charles Matthews was, was a good defender, but I think that Sean D. Brown is, uh, is a much more aggressive defender, and I think bringing that sort of element, that attitude, um, that if you wanted to compare the two, I think that Sean D. will have a little bit more success. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I, I think that uh, the fact that bringing in Sean D. and Mike Smith into this team, it makes it a such different team than, than uh, you know, without them, obviously. But them being able to come in and, uh, and transfer in and be uh, contributors right away, and especially with the three-point shot. Mike Smith had a couple threes. Uh, Shondi obviously had his threes. Now, that opens up Michigan's offense so much more. Um, I know Xavier Simpson was an unbelievable player for Michigan, very valuable for all four years that he was here. Uh, but he was not a deep threat uh, except for, you know, a couple games. And so um, if they can open up the floor with, you know, essentially one through four uh, able to shoot the three really well, uh, then that makes this team very, very dangerous. And so uh, going back to, to the, uh, the rotation talk, um, I thought that in the first half, Juwan was struggling a little bit. There were some times where he had, you know, Terrence Williams in there for probably way too long. Um, he, he was without a center in the game for a while, um, which has been my really only criticism of Juwan Howard, uh, last year was he really wasn't, he wasn't comfortable with the flow of the game all the time and getting enough guys in. And sometimes he'd try to get too many guys in. And I thought he did that a little bit in the first half, but then in the second half, he really found his rhythm. As far as the rotations go, he got everybody some minutes. Brandon Johns jr. Had really good minutes. Hunter Dickinson had really, really good minutes. Zeb Jackson got in there. Uh, Terrence Williams kind of found his groove in the second half. So um, from an in-game coaching perspective, uh, do you see Juwan Howard kind of taking a pretty big step here from year one to year two? Yeah, I think that when when you look at what what maybe he was trying to accomplish tonight, and then also, you know, last year you're throwing a lot at him uh, when it comes to all right, now you're going to be the head coach of this program. You got all these new guys. You got to learn all these new guys in the off season. Then you got to figure out how this puzzle all comes together. And so when trying to figure out 
uh, last year, for example, uh, Austin Davis came on strong midway through the season. And that was huge because John Teske didn't really have the year that I think a lot of people expected uh, him to have. And then what were you going to do on the wings with, with Franz and then Isaiah Livers getting hurt and just trying to figure out exactly how that uh, portion of the team kind of comes together with that rotation. I think that tonight you could do a little bit more, you know, it, Bowling Green is a good team. Let's not get that twisted. Like Bowling Green should yeah. win the Mid-American Conference. And I think that if you were to have a, just a mid-majors only tournament, I think Bowling Green could really do some damage. I mean, I'm very intrigued by, you know, Justin Turner is probably going to play pro ball overseas at some point. Uh, Daquan Plowden, he's another nice player. And then they had Trey Diggs, who was just, I mean, that guy Oof. wouldn't miss in the second half from three. He was just a freshman. So, yeah, no, BG is good, but it never felt as if BG was going to be able to take that next step and grab a lead and be able to sustain it if they did. So I think that maybe a little bit of comfort there to where, hey, let's try some things. Let's just take a look. Let's see what this looks like. That way we have some film on it so that he and Howard Isley and Sadie Washington and Phil Martelli can go back and say, hey, we kind of like this look. We don't like that. And I think that you know, for the, from a non-conference standpoint, because these games are so few and far between before we get into conference play, you're probably going to see some of this against Oakland on Sunday as well, where they were, they'll try to play with as many different combinations as possible, get guys some minutes in a real game situation that isn't a scrimmage, that has some ramifications. I thought Terrence looked a little, a little shaky. Zeb Jackson looked a little rough uh, as well. Uh, very impressed with Hunter Dickinson offensively. Uh, defensively in the scrimmage, I thought Austin Davis got the best of them just on an experience standpoint. But Austin, uh, but pardon me, Hunter Dickinson's game offensively, very, very refined for just being a, a, a freshman. And he is a little older. you got to mention that, too. I think he's, I think he's already 20, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But he is, uh, he's older than the average freshman, so that will help him. But I think that for a game like tonight, a good opportunity for Juwan and his staff to get as many guys in as they can, play him in that kind of scenario and figure out when they go back and look at the film, what do they like, what don't they like, what worked, what didn't work, and then how do they expand upon that? Yeah, I, I think that they uh, there's a lot to look at for this Michigan team, and it's not like there's one guy. I know everyone's focused on Franz and Livers, um, but holy smokes, when you look at the depth of this team, I really think that if Livers did go down for 10 games again this year, I you know, God willing, he doesn't, but I think that they would be okay. Um, they've got a lot of guys that they can plug in now. And so that was obviously we were, you know, nervous about Franz in the first half, but um, they were fine without him in the second half, which is uh, good to see because, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen with COVID, with everything else in this season. Um, I did want to want to touch on too uh, for a second here, move away from men's. I know you announced the women's basketball game uh, today versus Central Michigan. And I know Nas kind of went off for a, for a little bit here. What do you? This could be the best Michigan women's basketball team that they've ever had, especially under Kim's Barnes or Rico. Um, what do you have about uh, the women's team that played already today? Oh, they they look good. Um, they they definitely want to work inside out with Nas. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they will feed that ball. They will throw that ball inside through hell or high water. They're going to pound that rock inside to Nas. And I think that, you know, I think she went for 24, maybe, if I remember correctly, something like that. And it didn't even feel like she was trying to get 24. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of her points come right around the bucket. She did hit a mid-range jumper that was great. Uh, but that team definitely wants to push it inside. And you talk about depth. That team's got it, too. I mean, they got uh, Maddie Nolan and Michelle Cedor, Danielle Roush. They got very good players that can come off the bench. And they added a girl 
uh, Leah Brown from Nebraska, who was the sixth man of the year last year at Nebraska, and she's stepping in as easily the, the second best player on the team behind Nas. I mean, it's, I mean, Leah Brown, she's a game changer for that team. So they're they're going to be good, and we can see Michigan in both the men and the women be ranked in the top 25, both of them, throughout the entire season. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. That's pretty awesome. I, we really haven't seen that much. Uh, you know, obviously the, the men's team has been pretty dang good, but um, the women's team hasn't. They've, they've had some runs for sure, but they haven't been consistent up in the top 25. So that's great to see. I know we're, we're KBA stands over here. She's an Orange Theory member. Uh, that's Jack, right, baby. Jack runs the <laughs> Orange Theory um, uh, studio in Ann Arbor. So um, we, we love KBA and her staff. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to touch on them, but, um, wanted to also get your, you know, can, take- I, can I throw this out here? Can I, can I throw this out here real yeah. quick? One thing I really admire about Kim Barzarico and Juwan Howard is how supportive they are of one another. Like Juwan Howard came in and sat in on their scrimmage, uh, last, what, I don't even know what day that was last, like Tuesday. He came in to watch for a little bit. Wow. If there is a game, a women's game and the men's team is still on campus, Juwan Howard will sit courtside. Uh, during the normal season, obviously now he's up in the stands, but he'll sit and he'll watch. And I, I you watch him on Twitter, and he tweets out about their accomplishments. And he is such—you don't see that in a lot of programs across the country, where the the two programs, the men's and women's, are both kind of in sync at the same time. And it does feel like if you play basketball in Michigan, you're part of a bigger family. That doesn't matter if yes. you're playing for the men's or the women's. You can get that support from both sides. And I don't know if enough people talk about. Uh, what that can mean to a women's program. So, you know, I mean, the women are coming out, you know, high-fiving Jawan Howard. Like, at the end of the day, he's still <laughs> Jawan Howard. He's still the guy who signed the nine-figure deal in the NBA. He's still a member of the Fab Five and a Michigan legend. Uh, you know, and so I think it, it provides a really cool and very unique element to what Michigan basketball is, regardless if you're on the men's or the women's side. Yeah, yeah I'm glad Juwan. you brought that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, man. I mean, we saw it with – uh, when Shondi was announced that he was cleared to play, how the team just rallied around Shondi and how he's, he and Mike Smith both have said that Michigan basketball is such a family and Juwan Howard has such a, done such a great job to, to instill that with all the players and to hear that he's you know, supporting the women's team like that. I mean, just to have that family atmosphere around both programs is, is amazing. And KBA is such a great coach. All of her staff are amazing. And uh, I mean, Michigan's a basketball school now, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I keep hearing that people call into the radio all the time. They want to tell me or they tweet at me, you're a basketball school now. And I'm like, well, that's great. I work for the basketball program. Like, why why would I be upset about that? Like, thank God. I'm glad in a regular season uh, that there's 12,000 people at Chrysler losing their minds over every possession. Like, I, I love it. Are you kidding me? It's great. Now, yeah. Anthony, is that do – you, do you feel slighted that they're giving a lot of that credit to Juwan Howard and KBA? Like – I mean, they should be throwing that to you, right? You're the one that's doing all the announcing for the games. I mean, you know, I, I might be able to walk out there, maybe last one possession before somebody changed directions on me and blew both <laughs> my legs off. I, I can tell you, like, that's one thing that I just don't know if people understand how fast and how intense every single possession is at the college level. It is just – it's a different game out there, man. It's, it's wild to watch up close. Well, I think it's funny too. Like you watch Austin Davis, and there he's obviously incredibly improved over the last couple of years. But I remember watching him two years ago, and I was like, 
holy shit, this guy can barely get up and down the floor. Um, but still, like, I say that, and he still would absolutely dominate me and everyone else out there. You know, like, they're just – it's a it's, – the talent level is so high, especially at the D1 level and in the Big Ten, obviously. Um, and so I did want to talk about the Big Ten, uh, you know, looking around the Big Ten because it's seen as the deepest conference in the country. Uh, Michigan is, I would think, a, a – you know, shoe-in tournament team uh, right now, uh, preseason. And, um, but they're still, they're still picked to be, what, fifth, I think, in the Big Ten right now. Um, so when you look at Michigan State, Wisconsin, Illinois played incredible earlier today. I'm sure, Bellino, you didn't see because you were doing the uh, women's game, but Illinois shot the lights out, had a school record for uh, most three-pointers made. Um, so, when you look at the Big Ten, and, and um, I know you're driving, so you don't have it all in front of you, um, where do you see Michigan, Michigan coming out at, at the end of the season? Do you think they really are the fifth-best team? Are they going to end up lower, you know, ninth like they were last year? Or could they actually go into, you know, the last couple weeks of the season competing for a Big Ten title? So a buddy of mine coaches at Ohio University, and they're the, they're in uh, Illinois right now. They're at that tournament with the uh, the Fighting Illini. And I asked him, I, I I texted him the other night, and I said, hey, you know, his name's Kyle Barlow. I said, Barlow, good luck with uh, with Io and Kofi uh, for Illinois. I said, I don't know what you're going to do against them, but you know, hold on to your butts, right? I think that I don't know. Everybody keeps like picking Wisconsin. I'm not afraid. I'm not. Wisconsin doesn't scare me. Luca Garza is a scary player. Like that dude. Yeah. He can go for 40 at any time. Purdue. Purdue is scary. Michigan State, if Joshua Langford can stay healthy, that team is scary. Michigan is tough. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move Wisconsin uh, out of that. I'm going to put Illinois in there. And I, I like uh, – I like. shoot, if I had to pick a winner and not be biased at all, I think that Illinois between Ayodasunmu and Kofi Coburn, those two guys alone – if they stay out of foul trouble during games and they can stay healthy, I don't. I don't see anybody really being able to to stop those two. I mean, th- those those guys are going to be a handful. So I like Illinois. I like Iowa and Luca Garza. I like Michigan. I like Michigan State. And I honestly think that depending on where the game's at, how does the ball bounce that night? That you know, it's a make or miss league. I think any one of those four, you could really rotate uh, near the top four. And if you told me one of those four won it, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Talking about with Michigan State, I feel like Foster Lawyer has been a guy that, you know, whether it's either he hasn't gotten an opportunity with Cassius there or hasn't needed to step up yet. The dude's got 15 points right now Does before really? the end of the first half. Yeah, he was he was draining some threes when I was watching before we before we wow. jumped on. So, I mean, if Foster can come in and be that replacement for uh, Cassius and, you know, Gabe Brown can continue to stay solid, Langford can stay healthy, like you said, Anthony, so – Sparty's always going to be tough with Izzo. Illinois, I mean, Io's a fucking stud. And then uh, the other guy that they have brought in, I mean, he's great. Luca Garza at Iowa is always going to be tough. I mean, I think, I think Michigan being picked to finish fifth isn't bad at all. I'll take it's that. Not any a day. slight on Michigan. Yeah, I'll take that going to the Big Ten tournament any day. Yeah, 100%. I don't think it's a slight at all. I think that the, the conference is really that good, especially up at the top. I think that you have some legitimate contenders to be Final Four teams. And so if, they, if the national media, the Big Ten media, 
they believe Michigan uh, will pick a fifth to begin the season. That, that's fine by me. Good. I, I'd rather be a dark, kind of a, a medium dark horse. Oh, medium dark horse. Is that even a thing that I just make that up? That's possible. <laughs> um, but I'd rather be that. And, and as for Foster Lawyer, man, you think about all the expectation. You think about all the hype surrounding him, you know, coming from where he comes from high school wise to go mm-hmm. to Michigan State, all the pressure on that young man and then to not really get get the get, get the time that maybe he wanted because of, you know, Cassius Winston, those are huge shoes to fill. I mean, good luck with that. Um, you know, right. the expectation's always been there. And if he if he could just get comfortable, you know, and find himself within Tom Izzo's offense, I I, I, I do kinda hope for the best for him because he did become an internet meme there for a while. He was yeah, a surfboard. He yeah. was a surfboard for a while. <laughs> And I, I have to say, I'm a, I'm guilty of tweeting that out as well, or retweeting. Uh, it, so. yeah. it was that's fun. true. The guy was a surfboard. What are you gonna do? Like the I guy mean, went, sorry. Hey, come on. Was a, yeah. Come on. Yeah. What do you want me to say? Come on. Power of the internet. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So uh, Michigan obviously starts out one and zero there. That's a that's a pretty good start. I think, like you said. Um, Damn, that Bowling Green team was good. I think they could compete in the in the lower half of the Big Ten probably. Um, and like you said, they're gonna be they're gonna be the favorites to win the MAC as well. Uh, so yeah, that's a dang good team for Michigan to start off with when you're comparing it to, you know, Illinois, who I think they started off with North Carolina A and T and they beat them by fifty. You know, so I think that'll actually help. Uh, Michigan in the long run here uh, to actually play a solid team, especially with no exhibitions, no, you know, they're not in any preseason tournaments with any other uh, power five teams. So I think that could uh, fare well for them, but um, let's see any, any other, other things I know, you know, I want to, Juwan Howard is just, how can you not love Juwan Howard? It, it just, it, it blows my mind that, Michigan fans went from John Beeline, who was so beloved and still is, you know, even though he left and and things didn't work out for him in the NBA, um, but he's still one of my favorite guys in the whole world. And then you, you have to scramble and find Juwan Howard and, you know, you give him the job and then he does pretty well in, in year one, lands the number one recruiting class. Now, you know, is hoping to have a good year. And like you said, it's the, it's the little things that he does. And I think that there are a lot of schools and coaches that faked that relationship with the women's team and with other athletes and athletics and, and all that stuff. He's not faking that. He, he's not faking any of that. So I just want to get your take on more, more of Juwan Howard and where you think that he could take this program in the near future. I mean, he could take it all the way to the top. I mean, he 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 and and the NCAA tournament is so fickle because it's a one and done, right? It's a one game eliminator. It's not a series. The best team doesn't always win. It's not even the greatest way to determine a champion. That's why you know the NBA, Major League Baseball, um, the NHL, they they work in series because you want to be able to prove who is the best team. They should be able. Uh, to advance, where the, the the NCAA tournament and the NFL playoffs is just survive in advance. It doesn't matter how you win by one or one hundred; you just got to win one game. In in college basketball, the NCAA tournament. I mean, we look at all the the, the storied Cinderella story runs uh, throughout tournament history, and it's like they're knocking off major programs because they got they got hot for one game. But I think that Juwan Howard 
with the success that he's been able to have already recruiting, he can take this team to a national championship. Uh, maybe not this team this year, but I think that he can take the program uh, there. I think that the Final Four is definitely reachable and attainable and really, I mean, hell, I almost kind of expect it. Um, but I don't put any pressure on that immediate success. And I think that if football taught us anything, it's, it's that we as, we as fans, we as media members, need to be able to pump the brakes and kind of process everything that's happening at once. And for Jawan Howard, a guy to come in, and, yeah, the cupboards weren't bare. The shelves aren't empty. It's still Michigan at the end of the day. He had good success last year, I think, all things considered. I think that they'll be successful this year. But what you touched on about, you know, him being a genuine, authentic person, think about it. Juwan Howard doesn't need to be coaching right now. I mean, that guy's got enough, uh, you know, stashed away monetarily. And I'm not his accountant, so I can't confirm this. But over the course of his career, the money that he's made, he really enjoys coaching. He really enjoys working with young people. And I really think that he enjoys restoring maybe what was, maybe what was dampered by the Fab Five and the way that things had kind of went down as, you know, as that team exited and, and some of the, maybe the bad taste in the mouth uh, that was left with a lot of fans. And I think that he's one of those people that really took that to heart. And I, I also think that when, when you look back at, you know, Jawan Howard coming back to his alma mater, to coach and be and be the head coach and have the impact that he's going to have on the program, on the school, uh, you know, on the on the kids that he's coaching. I, I I think it's just a match made in heaven. I really do because he is a genuine human being, and I think that because he doesn't need anything, I think that that adds to it. He, you know, they pay him because they pay him, but you know, he was first in line to say, "I'll take a pay cut." You know, I'm saying, "I'll take my," you know, "You can reduce my salary. That's fine." You know, and and I think that the person that he is only helps kind of embody the culture that the program wants. I mean, it's worked out for him on the recruiting trail. And so I think that is, uh, you know, that's all you can ask for when you get, when you get the number one recruiting class in year two, things can only be, be working out well for you. So um, yeah, that's uh, I, I think that this, uh, this season has a lot for Michigan uh, and I think that they have a lot of, of success to, to, in the future here. So um, that's about all we've got for you, Bellino. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, you can find Bellino on X's and Bros on the Michigan Sports Network on the radio all across Michigan. Um, he's also your announcer at Michigan Basketball and Women's Basketball. So go call into his show, harass him, harass his producer, Ryan Elke, <laughs> um, you know, text in, I think you can do it all. So, um, uh, give him, give him a hard time. Uh, I think he can take it, but thanks again for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Hey, no problem, fellas. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you to Anthony Bellino for coming on with us, the voice of Michigan basketball and the voice of X's and bros on Michigan sports radio network. Um, so let's, we've talked a lot about basketball, so let's talk about football. I know this is like, and this, I don't know, to me, this is an afterthought now. It's so fucking sad. Um, but like Michigan basketball comes on for one week and do you guys feel the same way? Like now Michigan football this weekend, especially with it being Thanksgiving weekend and all that going on. Michigan Penn State's kind of an afterthought to me. I mean, normally, yeah, this is the end of the season. We got Ohio State this coming is... up this weekend. It's already typically a sad fucking weekend for Michigan football fans. But uh, I love the fact that Michigan basketball is going. 
So there's some sort of positivity around the program. And, um, I mean, guys, Penn State's own five. They've played some tough games with some good teams, but they're on five. Cade's the new starting quarterback. There's momentum going for Michigan football. There's some sort of hope here. There's some sort of hope, and I hate to get my hopes up and be fucking crushed again, but I do have hope for this game this weekend. How sad does that sound? I have hope that we can beat an 0-5 an team, team this weekend. I'm not even 100% sure. Penn State's favored to win this fucking game, according to ESPN. Wait, really? The, the percentage, like the FPI, or the matchup predictor, Penn State's 53.2% chance to win. No I Michigan, way. I think Michigan has the spread, but the matchup predictor through ESPN is 53.2% Penn State will win this game. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. My I did gosh. not know that. Yeah. So, we'll – I mean, fuck, man. We'll see. Their, their defense is as bad as ours. They're, we're both averaging 36 points per game. What's the name of that guy that they have on College Game Day sometimes? Used to be an NFL kicker. Now he has his own show. I'm blanking on McAfee. his name. Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee. Hammer the, the over on this one. That guy, according to him, the people in Vegas are time travelers who know the outcome to every sporting event. So if Vegas says that Michigan's going to win, Michigan's going to win. So I'll take that bet. I mean, Vegas had Michigan winning against Wisconsin, didn't they? They had 23-point favorites for Michigan State. <laughs> they they got to keep you on your toes. Yeah, I, if I was a time traveler, I wouldn't have put that tweet out about fucking shaving my head, I'll tell you that. <laughs> God, I am so excited for this. I, yeah. like, for, especially for all, all our the listeners, shit that I got, I, I am very excited for this. For all our listeners out there who, who don't realize this, because I did not realize it until yesterday, <laughs> uh, I put a tweet out there from the blue by 90 account like what two months ago now at least um <laughs> that if michigan didn't win at least five games this year fo- for football i would shave my head uh, and we're in a bad spot right now. <laughs> you gotta win out not looking good <laughs> rose pull on the on the cade for heisman train he's our oh. savior you guys hoping for the best. He's praying every bed before he goes to night or every every night before he goes to bed. It's like, please, Cade, I cannot shave my head here. I I will say I'm in a better spot than Wolverine Corner because Wolverine yeah, Corner said that, Yeah, he said that he's if they don't win five games, he's gonna get calls have been made tattooed on his wrist. So I'd rather shave my head than get oh. a tattoo, that's for sure. Dude, you Honestly, might as well grow hate, your hair I out hate, now. I hate that calls have been made tweet. Just seeing that over and over. So I hope he has to get it. And then I hope it never gets tweeted. Never happens again. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Yeah. I still have a chance. We can go, we can get to four and four and then win a, the crossover game that gets us to five wins. And then we don't even have to beat Ohio state. So yeah, you didn't, um, you didn't specify regular season. So you've, you've got a chance in the uh, crossover game. Yeah, I was, I definitely meant regular season because I was looking at it as five and three for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I did not think that we'd fucking lose to Michigan state or Indiana. I didn't think Indiana would be good. First of all, um, yeah. I also didn't think that we'd suck ass, so yeah, that's true. out there. I don't think anybody did. Um, so, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> Cannot wait. So that's going to be like, I mean, that'll be the crossover game will be the 17th, I think, of December. 
So I'll have, to, I'll have to shave my head and then go see all my family for Christmas. Okay, great. That's yeah, good stuff. Good luck. It's good stuff. It's a great look. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, anyways, the game this weekend, Michigan is two and three versus zero and five Penn State, but still, Penn State is somehow versus uh, favored to win as far as ESPN says. Um, so who's on Penn State? Who who is their their guy? As far as I'm concerned, Sean Clifford. But he stinks. He's really (laughs) bad. He's like Christian Hackenberg. He's the same quarterback. He he looks to run every time, but he can't fucking run because he's a a, a gumpy white dude. So, yeah. (laughs) He's Austin Davis under center. Exactly. (laughs) If we can't beat Austin Davis under center. (laughs) Big country. Help us out one time. For real. Um, but what what is your take on this game? Is do you think that this offense is for real? Is Cade for real? Or and I hate to say this, is he John O'Corn versus Purdue circa twenty seventeen? You know, I and I wish I would have done this before we started recording. I wish I would have re. You know what? I'm gonna do that tonight. I'm gonna rewatch John O'Corn versus Purdue twenty seventeen. And see what he actually does. Because for me, Cade McNamara, man, he he does what you want every quarterback to do, right? Give the receivers a chance to catch the ball. And we have talented receivers. They should be able to go up and win most opportunities that they have, right? That's what you'd expect. Um, so, man, I, and this is, this is where I hate that I'm such a big fucking fan where I'm like, you know what? He He's the guy. He's the guy. I can't look at it through reality, right? Where I can't, like, be like, all right, no, he's actually not that good. Like, we're, we're going to get killed against Penn State. So my honest feeling, I think he's I think he's the guy to go to. I don't, I don't think we can expect that kind of performance that he had against Rutgers, right? Because they're obviously the Rutgers. But I think he's more dependable than Joe Milton, you know? We don't need a big arm. We don't need a guy that can throw 85 yards. When's the last time we saw Joe throw a pass over 30 yards. When's the last time we saw him complete a pass over 30 yards? Cade has been able to do that. He's been able to hit guys on their routes right where they need to be. And he's a good, he's a solid decision maker from what I've seen. So I think Cade's the guy. I think he's the guy. So far from what I've seen, I think he's the guy. And I think, I'm going to say, I'm not going to do a score prediction because I'm sure we're going to do a 0-90. to but I, I'm confident in Michigan's ability to beat Penn State. And 0-5 Penn State. How fucking ridiculous is that? Jesus Christ. Dude, I love Cade's ability to, like, judge what kind of pass he needs to throw to his receivers, right? Because we saw him throw some of those touch, like, lofted passes. We also saw him throw some, like, bullet, like, hard passes. And we yeah. even saw him throw a couple almost, like, quick little sidearm throws. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dude, this kid... He knows his stuff. He's versatile. Like, he's pretty legit. Um, and I think seeing him against, even though Penn State's 0-5, seeing him against their defense is going to give us, I think, a better gauge than Rutgers. Just Rutgers is improving, but they're still a little bit Rutgers, you know? I mean, um, honestly, have- Penn State's defense might be as bad or worse than Rutgers. It's very but true. I, think I haven't been watching Penn State. That's why I think Kate will have another good game. But you'd expect it from a talent level 
that Penn State's defense will be better. And I could see them showing up for a big game like this. Like, for them, this is a big game, right? Right. So I, I see on your end where it could be a bigger challenge for Cade. Right. And it's not almost not even for Cade. It's almost more, to in my eyes, on the wide receivers. They might actually be, you know, going up against a DB who's covering them a little closer, giving them a little bit more of a hard time, harder release on your routes, and then makes the, it makes it a tougher throw for Cade. Um, I'm more worried about the little bit I saw of Penn State was I saw their running back towards the end of a game. They were losing by like 20, and their running back is like blowing through guys still. Mm. I'm like, dude, we can't stop anybody. So if if they're blowing through defenses and losing by 20, like we, if we're losing by seven, their running back is blowing through Chris Hinton and our our secondary and everybody. So yeah, I I have no idea what's going on. It's going to go down over there. So. I, I mean, the thing that just still blows my mind is, yes, Rutgers is uh, is improved. They have, I think, statistically one of the most improved offenses, if not the most improved offenses in all of football from yeah. last year to this year. Because, um, like, last year they were, like, historically bad. Like, Seven points per game, I think, is what they scored. Literally. <laughs> I think Art, literally, I think that's what it was. Art, Art Sitkowski was their uh, quarterback last year. He averaged like one touchdown every two or three games and averaged like three picks a game. It was insanity how bad they were. And he, Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I could be way fucking off by this, but I know he was an IMG quarterback. Was, was he, he really? Four star, yeah, was he a four-star guy? I don't you know. That's bad. IMG, right? But also the coaching staff, Greg Shannon was a huge upgrade. Correct me if I'm wrong. An Ohio State coordinator yeah. that came to Rutgers, right? So Ohio State again. I'm just gonna keep uh, ringing those bells, man. They they do shit right. Let's fucking bring somebody from that coaching tree as a coordinator. No fucking shit. I mean, yeah. I, but the thing is that Ohio State won't let it happen. Where we somehow will let let people go there. Um, <laughs> anyways, but I my point was that yes, they're improved. They still have like two four stars on the whole team and we have 40. So yes, yeah. they can be improved and we can have injuries, but how are you still from what it looked like on uh, in the Rutgers game? How are you still on the same talent level on the same playing field? I don't understand. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And I don't know. And, and for me, I'm for me. My question is what's it going to take for Don Brown to be fired? Right. I mean, <laughs> It's got to be at the end of this year. So I mean, right. I mean, the biggest thing for him the last two seasons was, all right, you left up, you know, 62 and 40 or 50, whatever to Ohio state and back to back years. But now it's happening to like almost every team. Like you're letting up 30, 40 plus to every team at this point over halfway through the season. If he's not gone, I don't think he's going to be gone to the end of the year, which is crazy to me, but it's fucking 2020 COVID, all this shit. I mean, yeah, I can't what do you make see of how all those, extent. What do you make of all those arguments that people throw out to not fire Don Brown, right? The, the, oh, the COVID, the injuries, the guys opting out. What do you think about that? You think they're legit arguments or you think they're just people no. full of shit? No, fuck you. No, fuck no. <laughs> like, no, because we said it last episode, right? Michigan has talented players. If you don't have a scheme, and or you're not coaching these guys well enough where you can plug them in and they can, you're not doing your job. 
And we, like I said earlier, just 10 seconds ago to you, Kalen, like for him, it was 2017, 2018 or 2018, 2019, where he, he gave up big games to Ohio state. Right. And now it's all season this season where he's, he's given up a 30, 40 plus with talented athletes and he can't, he can't fucking do anything. I mean, let's have some balls in our, in our administration and everything that, and say, Hey, you know, what's not acceptable giving up 62 points to Ohio state when the yeah. fucking big 10 championship is on the line. Yeah, is that literally, I mean, come on, you beat them. You beat them. You're in, you're you, beat them and you are fucking in 100%. Like you, you have to have some type of standard Fuck. and, and not say, Oh, well, Ohio state's pretty good. So, you know, we just aren't able to keep up. Like, no, have a standard that says, yeah, we are able to keep up because we have just, you know, we're we have just the same amount of talent, same facility, same all this shit. Like, fuck, I don't, I can't believe I'm riled up about Don Brown right now. But like, fuck, man, I just, I agree with you guys. I don't know if he's gonna be fired after this year, and it's gonna piss me the hell off if he's not. I honestly, I think he'll be gone after the year. But the fact that frustrates me is I don't think he'll be gone until after the year, right? Like, we could let up 40 points to Penn State, and he'll fucking still be here. Yeah. It could be the same situation as Rutgers. It'll be a high-scoring game, and fucking Don Brown's still sticking around. You're going you're gonna to fucking put the defense at a place where they're like, all right, well, we know we're going to give up 50 points. Good luck, offense. You better fucking score against one of the most talented teams in all of college football. Right. It's just, it just makes no sense to me. And like you said, with the standards and Kalen, you brought it up. What last week, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, if you're setting that standard for your program, you're fucked. They should have. And, and I wasn't on the train of getting rid of Don Brown after 2018, but after looking at everything we've seen now, you know, if Michigan wants to live up to that set up, up to that standard, I think yeah. it's appropriate to get rid of coordinators. If that happens, Head coach, maybe it's not always the best best option, but coordinators, you might have to. Yeah. So if you were to get rid of Don Brown mid season, what like you just name some position coach as like a stand in? Or what, how would you approach that? Man. Put a GA back there. Put a guy. <laughs> why not? Put a guy who's fresh out of the game, who understands foot. I mean, clearly, if you're fresh out of the game, you understand football. You know it worked well for you. You know. You're, you've been around the team. Why not? Why not give them a chance? If they let up 60 to fucking Ohio State, all right, it's a fucking grad system, right? But at least give them an opportunity. I mean, he's just got to go. I don't think – if he's not fired by now, I don't think it's going to happen until the end of the season, but he's our biggest issue. Yeah, I mean, no the, the thing is that, okay, if you if you think that, you know, COVID or injuries can be – a reason to keep Don Brown. Have you not watched him against, you know, it's not just like this year has been the problem. I actually right. think he should have been gone after the 2018 Ohio state game, dude. I, I mean, you could, you could uh, promote any one of the other position coaches. And I think you get the same result, right? Like you're not going to, they gave up almost 500 yards to Rutgers. Yeah. They gave up. You're not going to do worse. They gave up 370 pass yards to Rutgers. I don't care if you're injured, and they're not even injured at the uh, in the secondary. They just have bad players, or they developed bad players. So I I don't. It's 
I don't know, man. I almost half of me just wants to fucking give up to a hundred to Ohio State to make Fuck. sure that he's gone. Cause yeah, goddamn, like I, I don't know, man. There, there's just no way. Um, I did wanna wanna go to Cade a little bit. But one thing that I um one thing that I love to see about Cade and I, and I don't even I saw it on Twitter. I'm not even sure what uh who wrote the article. Um but it says McNamara says he has a checklist and a daily schedule beginning Sunday to help it. him to help prepare him for every opponent. On it is a list of pressures and first and second down coverages to look out for, along with third down plays and situational scenarios. He studies it and by Friday morning consolidates it for all all for the Saturday game plan, which might explain why he's looked so sharp in his last two appearances. It allows me to play relaxed and confidently with my eyes, McNamara said. So what that leads me to think is maybe Joe Milton was relying too much on his athletic ability uh, that he was not doing that much preparation. Um, so he thought, you know, I've got a cannon. And, I, and we kind of saw this. He definitely forced some throws. He thought, I've got a cannon. I can do it all. I don't need to know every play inside and out. Cade, he's got athletic ability. We know that. But he doesn't have the arm or the athletic ability of Joe Milton. So he's always had to get by by being more prepared and smarter than everybody else on the field, right? And that's obviously playing or paying off. He hit everybody in stride. He -hmm. made, like you said, the perfect uh, level throws for each throw. He went to the right reads all the time. Um, Yeah, I, I just loved that. What do you guys think about Cade being maybe more prepared than any quarterback we've seen in the past? Yeah. I mean, don't, don't at me, but this is Tom Brady level shit, right? Like he's not the most, no, listen, (laughs) hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. He's not the most athletic guy. He doesn't have the best arm, but he is mentally prepared for the fucking game, right? If you know what you're going up against and you, and you've studied the playbook and you know and you know what you're getting into, you don't have to be the most most athletic guy, right? You just need to put a ball in the spot at the perfect time. That's why Tom Brady was so successful. He's not the – I mean, <laughs> Tom Brady's probably the least athletic quarterback in the fucking NFL. Put him against all the fucking backups, all the third-string guys. He is the least athletic guy and talented guy in the NFL, but you put his mind into it, and he knows what he's working with. And he and he's on the top for a reason, right? I mean, that plays a huge part in it. Plays a huge part in the game, and that's why I think. I mean, after seeing that with that tweet that you just read out, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. He's prepared for the game, and he knows what he's getting into, and that's why he's had success. It's not accidental. We saw it two weeks in a row, right? We saw it for a for a for a sliver against uh, Wisconsin, and then we saw it for a full a full half essentially against Rutgers. So I mean. Like I'm, I'm not saying he's fucking Tom Brady, but when you when you don't have all the athletic abilities as a guy like Joe Milton, that's the shit you have to do. And if you can do that, you can be successful. And based off Cade's stat line last week, I mean, if he can continue to do that, he'll continue to have similar games. Yeah, I think there's kind of two parts to this. I was watching a video with Urban Meyer where he was talking about making the play callers sheet. And the precursor to the play caller sheet is the game book. And it's everything about the opponent. I would assume 
that you would give copies of the game book to your QBs who you think might play in the game, right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that Cade has basically a game book about his opponent coming up doesn't surprise me in the slightest. And I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Milton got one too. So I think it really comes down to, you know, guys like Joe who have just like a God-given ability and a Mm -hmm. lot of, you know, athleticism. They tend to rely on that athleticism, which this is all pretty much exactly what Jack said. (laughs) They tend to rely exactly on their athleticism. And, uh, you know, maybe they feel like I can skim through this book and then I can go out there on the field, rely on my arm. Situation comes up, I can just throw a rocket and we're good. And we saw that kind of backfire a little bit for Joe um, as opposed to Cade. He has to rely on, okay, my preparation, I'm showing up, I'm doing all the things I need to do. And that's where I'll see success. And obviously it's worked for him in high school, right? I mean, he's got freaking 12,000 yards. So we're seeing him kind of use the same approach. And that's exactly what Harbaugh loves. So I hope he uh, continues to do it, and hopefully it continues to pay off. Yeah, I mean, at this point, God, we better hope Cade's the guy, because if not, I mean, well, first of all, Dan Valari season, so I'm, I'm <laughs> I mean. Heisman 2021, baby, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> People talking about J.J. McCarthy don't even know about Dan Valari. Um, but, I mean, in all real, in all reality, like, if, if you lose out on Dylan McCaffrey, and then Dylan, or and then Joe's not the guy, and then if Cade's not the guy, then you have to take a real hard look at Jim Harbaugh and say, yes. if you can't do it with all these guys, then why why is JJ McCarthy the guy that's going to change it around? So hundred percent, hundred percent with you on that. I, I think it's tough, but um, let's uh, let's do some zero to nineties and some predictions for this weekend's game uh, against Penn State. Obviously, you know. Just uh, everyone's all eyes going to be on Michigan Penn State at noon. Um, <laughs> thankfully, actually, I think Ohio State thank plays. God, at it's not well. a fucking noon game. Yeah, oh, thank God. Yeah, Ohio State plays at noon too, so we don't even have to watch them, um, which is nice because I'm sick of watching them put up 600 yards a game and just thinking about yeah. them putting up 800, 900, maybe a thousand against us. So, anyways, uh, we will we'll focus on the uh, toilet bowl here uh michigan versus penn state so who wants to who wants to start with their zero to 90 here i'm I'm good i'm ready all right jack your zero to 90 starts now so according to espn penn state is favored to win this game according to vegas michigan is favored by two two and a half not 100 percent sure but both defenses are fucking awful averaging 36 points allowed per game i, I think It'll be a high-scoring game. I don't know what the over-under is. If you guys can throw that in there eventually, let me know. But I'm definitely taking the over for this game. And honestly, I think I'm going to take Michigan by two touchdowns. Is that my optimism coming out? Probably. Yes. But <laughs> but looking at their offense, I mean, Michigan's averaging more, averaging more points per game than Penn State is. And looking at the talent that they've gone up against, I mean – Iowa, they probably should have scored more. Nebraska, they only scored 23. Maryland, they only scored 19. I don't know, man. I I feel good about this game. If I was making a bet, I'd say Michigan by 10. But I'm confident Michigan will win the game. So you're betting on Michigan? I'm betting Michigan. I am. I'm going to bet Michigan. I'm going to bet the spread. 
I'm definitely betting the over. The over and, is and, uh, 40 or the over is 58. Easy money. Easy fucking money there. Um, uh, I mean, that's 38-20 or. Yeah. No, they're scoring points. Michigan's defense sucks and Penn State's defense sucks. They're, they're going to score points. That's for sure. Um, I'm just hoping Cade plays half as well as he against, did against Rutgers. And I think that comes true. I mean, I don't hate it. I just. I, I'll two get bad teams. <laughs> two really bad teams. It's like, I feel like everybody watching Penn State this year, you know, we watched right before Michigan, Minnesota, first game of the year, we watched uh, Penn State, Indiana, and, you know, the crazy dive, which still, I don't know if Mr. Pete got in or didn't. It's like JT was short, basically. But I feel like they're just this team, and I don't want to get too far into it here, but. The, it, everyone was like, okay, oh, they lost that tough game to Indiana, but Indiana's a solid team. You know, yeah. every week you're just waiting to, like, turn it on, right? And they just haven't, which is kind of crazy. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Kalen, you ready? Yeah. All right, Kalen, your 0 to 90 starts now. With the first <laughs> pick of the NFL draft. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No. Oh my God! Dan Valari <laughs> starting at Penn State? That Dan was Valari, no. <laughs> no way! Uh, I would love to see that. Honestly, if Dan Valari stepped on the field, I would lose my mind. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but keep an eye out for uh, Harbaugh punching his chest pad uh, on the sidelines. Um, what I really want to touch on is something I heard from. Rich Rod in his podcast uh, where he was saying something about like a Michigan man. And he's like, what the hell is a Michigan man? And someone was saying in an interview, like, what is it? What does it feel like to not be a Michigan man? And he's like, well, I am now you hired me. So once you're hired, you're a Michigan man. So like, what the hell does the phrase even mean? You know, I don't know. I'm kind of posing it as a question a little bit. So I would say that, and, you know, they've talked uh, to Ward Manuel about wanting Michigan men uh, on the basketball side and the football side now. Um, I think that people think that a Michigan man means you have to have ties to, to Michigan, right? You have to, like, either play here or used to be a you know, offensive coordinator or position coach or something. I think it's more so it means that you have to – understand and respect the traditions of Michigan and uh, you know all, all that comes with Michigan where Rich Rod came in and tried to blow the whole thing up right and change it to the spread offense and all that stuff and um, I I still don't even totally disagree with it because if Rich Rod does that and he's successful I mean, he's 10 years ahead of the rest of college football, right? It, Ohio State runs a fucking spread offense right now. So it's like, you know, we're literally trying to run a spread offense in 2020. So I, I think it's more so you you respect the traditions and the principles of Michigan, um, and you're not trying to, like, change everything up. All right. I think that nobody has a clue what's going to happen on Saturday because – Half the half the fan base thinks Cade McNamara is a god, and there's no way he does anything other than throw for 75% completion percentage and five touchdowns every single game. 
that's not going to happen. So, and you know what? I, I understand Rutgers is, is good, better than normal and Penn state's worse than normal. Sorry. I'm just like burping through my, <laughs> through my zero to 90, too many white claws during this episode. Too much combination. Um, I know, but I just think that you're never going to see, I don't want to say never, but when are you ever going to see him have 75% completion percentage again? And if he does, then I mean, praise him, praise Josh Gaddis for the play calling and all of it. So let's lower the expectations on Cade McNamara a bit. Um, If he even goes out for 60% uh, completion percentage and two touchdowns, that's a win for Michigan. I think it's really more, they have to keep, Hassan Haskins and the run game going and you have to have confidence. Uh, There's rumors out there, not even rumors. Ed Warner said that Mayfield and Hayes are practicing this week. So that's a big step. Um, I thought that Carpenter did a lot better at uh, center this week than Vistardis did. Um, Unfortunately, I know Vistardis is our boy, Madison Uden's boyfriend. It's tough, Um, but I, I just think that there's a lot more than just Cade McNamara to this team. So um, I want to see the defensive line, the defensive front play better. Um, I I just don't have a ton of confidence in this defense, and I just don't have a ton of confidence in this team. Um, anytime that they get to a, a decently big game, and like it's crazy to say an 0-5 team uh, is a big game, but it's, it's still Penn State. So I'm going to say um, – I, I still I, I gotta predict that they win. I don't know, but I'm gonna go with Michigan 38, Penn State 34 in a barn burner. Yeah, I'm going Michigan 49, Penn State 45. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'm at. That's what I basically guessed. I mean, it's gonna be a high-scoring game. That's for sure. I think Michigan wins, but I, but I think they, they'll win by 10. I'm going to say – I want to go along what you said, Kalen. I'll probably say 45-35. So, I mean, let me ask this one question, and then we'll leave it at that. And you can't give an explanation. It's a yes or no answer. <laughs> if Michigan loses this game, is Harbaugh done at the end of the year? No. No. See, I say no, too. And yeah. that is so fucked up, man. Losing to an 0-5 team. But to me, if he loses no explanation, game, it's on Don Brown. Why is that not? That's a part of Jim Harbaugh's team? It is. No, I 100% agree. He should be gone. He should be gone, 100%. But, yeah. No, I'm with you. It is on. It it's is, a good fuck, question. Fuck, man. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say no, but to follow up, I don't know. Because I shouldn't have followed up anyway. We're a bad, We're in a bad spot. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm glad that we started off this podcast with some positivity with Michigan basketball because we ended it with negativity, which we have for the past, you know, month. Has it happened yet? <laughs> Let's speak some good things into existence and hopefully they come true. So um, that'll be it. You can follow us at Blue by 90 on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, um, as well as Blue by 90 podcast on YouTube. Uh, Check it all out, and we will see you all next week. Have a great Thanksgiving.